of the Lord as he comes in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. If that song doesn't move you, you should be concerned. I just want to ruminate in the presence of the Lord for a minute. God always moves before he speaks. Come on, let's be obedient. Let's get under the authority of Jesus. Let's let his presence move on us, make us supple, that we could bend. Yes, Lord, have your way, Jesus. Have your way, not my will, but thine be done today, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come on, there's still a people that believe God is speaking. There's still a people that believe God is moving. Yes. What you need is here right now. The Holy Ghost is what we need. We can get so comfortable, so used to a man preaching to us, so used to someone else opening the door for us. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the greater than on the inside of you. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you, Timothy. You got the greater than on the inside of you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. Open up the door. Open up the door. Preach to me, Paul. Timothy, stir up the gift. blessing everywhere they can go. If this is the only church you've ever been in, this is where God brought you, where God saved you. You might not realize how blessed you are. In the spiritual world at large, Pastor Mayo is a child. Whether you believe that or not doesn't really make a difference. That's the thing that's beautiful about the Word of God. The Word is just true. 
It's, it's not dependent upon how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if you believe or not. It's just true. It's just the way that it is. You can believe in Jesus or not, but one day every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. King of kings, Lord of lords. If you've not been in a church like this, what you're feeling is the power and the presence of the almighty God drawing you to himself. receive something. It's just not the case. The human heart, a man's heart, can be the most secure vault in the world. And if you come here without an openness, you're not going to receive anything. God will not force his way in. But if you can realize you're up there and I'm down here, if you can humble yourself, open yourself up, it doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what you previously believed. Just let the word speak to you. It's God's word. Let him talk to you. Take off the lenses and let him speak. And if you'll open yourself up, you'll receive something from him. you got to be open. I know you're standing. Let's turn to Luke. Chapter number 11. Luke chapter 11, we'll start in verse 29. I don't know how much of this we're going to get through. I don't know where we're going to go. God is here for his people. Luke chapter 11, verse 29 says, And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And then a Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. I'm going to try to work out a thought. We'll call it recognizing the greater than. Recognizing the greater than. Put your Bibles down. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this place today. God, I pray that you would help us open up our hearts, open up our minds, God. 
Remind us, God, of what you have done. Remind us, Lord. Help us. Teach us to stir up that gift on the inside. Come on, pray. Have your way, Jesus. seated. Here in Luke 11, Jesus is making a statement. And whenever Jesus opens his mouth, we need to focus. Jesus is not speaking with words of men. Jesus is conveying the thoughts of God vocally for those that have not been in a church like this, for those of you that have not understood the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh. Jesus was not the second person of a Godhead. That is not in the Bible. Jesus is not the second person of what modern Christianity calls the Trinity. That was not a teaching of Jesus and that was not a teaching of his apostles. And when it comes to authority of spiritual matters, it started with the man Christ Jesus. And he delegated that authority to the apostles. Most famously, Matthew 28 and 19, he tells them, I got all power in heaven and earth. And he said, this is what I want you to do. Can you put it on the screen? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He's giving them. He said, I got the power. This is what I want you to do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's the way a lot of modern churches do baptism. That's the way it was when they came together in the councils, most famously the Council of Nicaea. I'm not going to get into all the church history, but it's, it's good to know a little bit. And they decided this is the way they were going to baptize. But if you take this and you don't understand it, if you're not regenerated, if the Spirit of God is not the one teaching, then you're going to use the mind of man and you're going to just take it and, and you're going to deviate from what was really being said. And so, they were not baptizing here. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do in the name. And he said, go and wait in Jerusalem. Terry. He said, I'm giving you the authority here, but you're going to get the power. You're going to get the dunamis. This was the exousia. And so they go and they pray. And they're waiting. And the power of God falls on them. And they're speaking in tongues. And they pour out into the streets. You can go, you can go read Acts and you'll see this. And previously, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, and upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. That revelation, that understanding. 
He said, so I'm going to give unto you the keys to the kingdom. Not physical keys, spiritual keys. Keys that are going to unlock the door to the kingdom. I'm going to give that to you. Not to Calvin. Not to the Catholic Church. Peter, I'm giving them to you. And when the Spirit of God fell and they began to speak in tongues, they poured out on the street and the people were confused. They didn't know what was going on. They looked drunk. And Peter stands up. He's like, this is what he was talking about. I got the authority. I got the power. His spirit is now inside me. He had the mind of Christ. And he stood up and he begins to preach from the prophet Joel. And he starts letting them know what's going on. And they say, after they're convicted by this preaching, that's the point of preaching. If I can't preach with conviction, I don't want to preach. And he said, he's preaching to them, and they're convicted. It says they're cut to the heart, pricked in the heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Brother Clark, put it up. For people that, don't, that haven't, understand, haven't understood this, you need to see this for yourself. Let the word talk to you. Because traditions of men can keep people from truth. Family tradition. Well, I don't want to believe that because grandma. No. This is that which created you. you got to understand this. The spirit of God is greater than grandma. And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. So when you lay this over the top of 2819 of Matthew, and then you read through the acts, the actions of the apostles, you see how they did it with the delegated authority. Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the keys, and after I ascend, and then I fill you, you're going you're gonna to be the church. You're going to be the revelation of me to the earth. If you're waiting on an angel, all that's going to happen is an angel's going to show up and send you to a preacher. Read about Cornelius. That's what happens. The angels can't preach. God is going to use men. This is why there's such a disturbance in our world today against authority, against the police, against principalities. People don't want to subject themselves to authority. Even Jesus subjected himself to authority. Just because the authority over you isn't right doesn't mean you don't have to submit to it. Because you need to be right before God. So you lay this over the top and you realize, oh, the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit is Jesus. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you go to Daniel chapter 7 and you see the picture of the ancient of days and you write down what it, the, the imagery that's going on and then you go to Revelation and you see the picture of Alpha and Omega beginning and end, it's the same picture as the ancient of days, but it's Jesus. The only image we're ever going to see when we get to heaven is Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. Beside me there is none else. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
But you got to see it through the right lens. And if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, that's the only way. Flip open Acts 19. Look at what happens. There's certain disciples there. They knew. They knew Jesus. They were disciples. They were trying to follow the right way. And Paul shows up. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, we haven't heard about that. He said, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized under John's baptism. He preaches to them Jesus, commands them to be baptized in Jesus' name. He says, look, John's baptism was unto repentance, but he taught about one coming after him. If you've been baptized in the title as Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I was three times. Because I did it when I was a kid. And then I went into my teenage years and got all screwed up. And I got hungry for God. I went to church camp. And God started moving on me. But there wasn't a preacher there. So we went down to the river and they baptized me again. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I felt good. My conscience felt good because I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But I went back to school and I lived like a heathen. Because I didn't have power. Because I wasn't buried in his name. There wasn't authority over me. So after a week, I went back to living in any old way. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I was taught as a child, you just ask Jesus into your heart and he's there. It's not, I don't know what they're preaching that from, but it's not the Bible. See, we, man has watered down Christianity so much that now you just say, repeat after me, raise your hand, give a mental assent to God, and you're good. No change. That's not in the Bible. Study to show thyself approved. You're not going to be judged by what Pastor Joe Schmo says. You're going to stand before Christ and the books are going to be opened. We don't, we're not an eternity-minded society. We just want to dance through life and flip through life and just... Oh, when we get there, if he takes me, he takes me. See, if you got a Calvinist perspective, you think, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm either predestined or I'm not. Nothing that I do matters. If you're a student, you know what it's like to study for a test. That's temporal. There is a test coming that is eternal, and you better study for it. Because you don't know when you're going to die. And when you die, that's it. Preparation's over. The alarm clock goes off. Have you ever been not ready for a test? I did that in college a bunch. And I almost, one time, I almost went to a professor and said, look, I got to be honest. I just didn't. Can I wait a week? And my buddy's like, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> you got to take the test. But this eternal test. See, we don't, this doesn't even matter to, to a lot of people. They don't think like this. But if we could just, just rake back the veil and see eternity for a second, your worldview would be changed. The time you spent would be different. What matters would change. 
So if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, hear the words of Peter. Repent, turn towards God, and be baptized in Jesus' name. For the remission of your sins. See, when I got baptized the other ways, I never really felt different. I thought it was good because it was what I thought I should do. But when I got baptized in Jesus' name, it was told to me by a preacher. He said, look, that feeling you're feeling, that guilt, that shame, that stuff you feel when you wake up at night, that will go away when you're baptized in Jesus' name. And I got baptized in in Jesus' name, and I slept like a baby. And I woke up, and it was different. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. you got to have the name of Jesus. The Spirit comes in his name. That's why Paul said to them, look. I command you, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And after they were baptized in Acts 19 in Jesus' name, he laid his hands on them and they received the Spirit of God. How did they know? They spoke in other tongues. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? Testify. When the Spirit of God comes, it goes in, it fills up, it overflows. And he says, I got your tongue now, boy. You're mine now. That's why Jesus, he said in John to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, he said, look, Nicodemus, you're an educated man, but you got to be born again. Hang with me, church. you got to be born again. He said, how's a man born when he's old? He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You got to be born of the water and of the spirit, Nicodemus. And when you're born of the spirit, you'll hear the sound of it. Go read it. If you never read John chapter 3, read it. Take that water, spirit. How do you, what's that for? That's for the kingdom. Take that, lay it over the top of what Peter preached with the keys to the kingdom, water, spirit. And then read Acts chapter 8. See, and this is the other thing. People say, well, all you got to do is believe. I agree with that. But when you believe, something happens. When you believe, you act on that belief. If I told you, look, this building's going to burn, if you believed me, you would leave. Acts chapter 8, you go read that. And it says, when they, so Philip comes preaching, Jesus Christ to them. And it says, when they believed Philip, they were baptized. And then in 10 of Acts, Cornelius, by anyone's standard outside of the true church, Cornelius was a saved man. He prayed always. He gave alms always. Cornelius, he was dedicated, more dedicated than most Christians nowadays. Praying, seeking, fasting, giving. And God says, I'm going to honor that. That memorial prayer that comes up before me. I'm going to honor that. I believe, well, I'll leave that. Never mind. If you pray for someone in your family often, that will go up before God. And it's just a matter of time. 
they can't run from it. Eventually the Spirit of God is going to move on them. Eventually the Spirit's going to draw them out, bring them in. You can take confidence in that. So the memorial prayer goes up before God. And an angel shows up. Those of you that are laying in bed and saying, God, if you want me to be saved, you send an angel. God doesn't respond to coercion. He loves you. It's got to be your choice. You make a choice, son. You do it my way, you do it your way. You do it your way, I'm going to spank you. You wonder why there's one roadblock after another, after another. God's trying to get your attention. Because you can't do life without him. And you can't have life without him. And you can't have peace without him. So the angel shows up. Cornelius, I want you to sin for one Simon Peter. You're going to have to listen to a man. And he's going to tell you what you need to do. So Cornelius does it. He sends men. And God preps Peter in advance for what's about to take place. For those of you that have never read it, read it. You're going to sit there like blinders have come off and you'll read something and see it like you've never seen it before. It comes by revelation. Pray before you read. Say, God, I know I was taught this way. I know this. But look, I'm coming before you open and I want to see things the way you would have me see them. I want to know truth. The Spirit of God will lead you into all truth. It can lead you before he's inside you. And he'll lead you. And so, he sends for Peter. Peter preaches Jesus Christ. And while he is preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on Cornelius and his family. He was a praying man, a giving man, but he needed to be born again of water and spirit. And the Holy Ghost falls and they all speak in tongues. Peter and his boys are like, whoa. God gave them the same spirit he gave us. This was a big deal to them. To the Jewish mind, this was staggering that the heathen would also get what they had. And he commands them, can any man forbid water? No. People say, well, I don't got to be baptized. Can any man forbid water? This is Peter. And he commands them to be baptized in the name of the Lord you got to be born again of water and spirit. And you can do that today. There's water. If God's pulling on you, if you realize, yeah, I need that. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the power of God in my life. I need to be an overcomer. I need victory. I need joy. You can get baptized in Jesus' name, and we will pray for you, and God will fill you with his spirit. It's a promise. So Jesus is making a statement in Luke chapter number 11. And because it's Jesus, and we know that that's God robed in flesh, we need to pay attention. Oh, one more scripture real quick for those that are just hanging on the Trinitarian thing. Listen. Listen. 
When Paul wrote to the Colossians, he made sure, he wrote this down. Colossians 2, 8 and 9. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, 8 and 9. And this, I believe this scripture would stand the test of time to go against the doctrine of the Trinity. Beware lest any man, any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus isn't the second person of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit are in Jesus. That's just the way it is. So here, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus opens his mouth and he begins with this is an evil generation. That generation in that day. The generation that we're a part of, part of it far supersedes the evil of that generation. That generation was one that never would have believed abortion to be something that was an available thing. Abortion was not even in the minds of those people in that generation. That generation held to God's purpose in marriage between a man and a woman. That generation would never have thought that we would have drifted so far from the shores of Eden that now a man can become a woman. No. That generation. That generation thought it was shameful for a man and woman to live together before they were married. It wasn't normal. That generation And in that generation, in that day, Jesus said, this is an evil generation. And in that day, when Jesus passed the torch to his apostles who had the mind of Christ, they had the spirit of Christ. They thought like him. They preached like him. And in that day, in that generation, they said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. In that generation, it was not okay for the church to be close to the world. The church is that which God loves, that which he cherishes. He didn't want them close to the world. He didn't want them influenced by the world. He said, my church, I want it without spot, without blemish. I want it blameless. How much more our generation? Separate. It's more than clothes. It's more than what's in our houses. Separate. How we spend our time. See, because if you're close to the world, the things that you're close to will begin to influence you. You can see this happen in 1 Samuel. I think it's chapter number 8. When the nation of Israel wanted a king. Why? Because the other nations had kings. We want someone to judge us like the other nations, the worldly nations. That was never the will of God. But you know what? He gave it to them. Just because you get what you ask for doesn't mean it's the will of God. Just because your parents buy you an Xbox doesn't mean you should waste your time on it. You say, oh, you're being harsh. Hey, this is a big deal. 
Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's how it's going to be in the next generation, in this generation. Not everything, not every opportunity that presents itself is going to be from God. Not every door that opens is going to be marked by the approval of God. Some of you seeking financial gain. God can't give it to you. Not that he doesn't want to. But you would stroll out. God always used pressure and bondage and oppression to keep his people humble and focused and needing him. Holy because he is holy. Those that think separation isn't a big deal. If you've never been in the church that preaches separation, you've never been in the church. God from the beginning was in the business of separation. Light from darkness. Read Genesis 1. The waters above from the waters below. There was a distinction between the garden and the field. The church environment was supposed to be safe. Clean, well kept. In 2 Corinthians, Paul with the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? I have unsaved family members. I had friends that were unsaved. I'm sure that everyone in here is close to people that are unsaved. That should bother you. There should be something inside you, something, the spirit of God inside you should be grieved for them. When you first got saved, it, it bothered you. When you first got, first got saved, you couldn't, stop, you couldn't shut up. <laughs> you need to get baptized. You need it. You need it. You need it. And eventually, something changes. And they didn't change. Maybe they did. If they did, praise God. So here in Luke, he says this, that generation is an evil generation. In Matthew 12, 38, same account, Jesus says, this is an evil and an adulterous generation. He's speaking to the religious folks. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, those that are educated and those that are separated of the, the religious class. He's speaking to these people. Evil and adulterous, not fornicating. Being intimate with other things than God. He said, you're religious, you come to the house, you read the text, but you give your time to other things more than me. You're an adulterous generation. Ezekiel, when he was talking to this same people years before, 16 and 15 at Ezekiel, he called it playing the harlot. And he said, you go out because you're beautiful. God's people, when he separates you and you get holy and you get favor, you become a beautiful people. 
a prized possession, a peculiar people. That means special treasure, not weird. And you become attractive to the world. And the world will try to elevate you. And Ezekiel said, you're playing the harlot. Every opportunity that comes your way, you're fornicating with it. You're giving yourself to it. Big business loves apostolic, praying, tithing people. Bring the tithe payer in. Why? Because everything he touches is blessed. You read through the Bible, Daniel, elevated. Why? Favor from God. Joseph, elevated. Why? Favor from God. David, when you're living right, when you're, when you're holy and you're separated and you're doing right, the world's attracted to that. Before you got to church, you were wearing tight jeans and, and clothes that were trying to be open and, you know, trying to attract attention and it just wasn't coming. But you start wearing a dress, you strip off the makeup, you start looking like a woman and the world's like, let me get that door. Because it's beautiful to them. You're separated. You're holy. You're godly. It's attractive. But you got to be careful that you don't give yourself to everything that comes your way. Young man, don't get restless. Don't mistake Ishmael for Isaac. If God gave you a promise, you can wait, you can trust, you can hang your hat on it. I'm not saying don't be elevated by the world, but when you are, there's a test at every set. Everything you come to, there's going to be a test. There's going to be a giant. There's going to be a, a man that says, you got to bow to me. Holy. Holiness matters. People say, you don't need to be holy. The Bible says you do. Holy. Why? Because he's holy. You say, well, I can't do that. When you get the spirit of God, you can do that. He'll start giving you direction. Set this down. Don't look there. Don't even go there. Don't go there. Why? I love to swim. Yeah, but everyone is walking around half naked. If that's normal to you, you see, modern man has drifted so far away. It's not normal to be half-dressed. Don't even go there. You say, well, I don't like swimming in clothes. Then don't swim. There's a reason they call it bathing. It's ridiculous. Modern man wants to entertain himself all the hours of the day. Planning weekends, planning vacations. Yeah, Disneyland is fun, but fun is not joy. One man said, one preacher said, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. And when you lose the joy of the Lord, you start looking for anything to entertain you. God said, you're playing the harlot. You're reaching in and getting intimate with everything else. Because you're not satisfied with God. Look at what he said to the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, 3, and 4. This is Jesus. Young family, young family, you got to slow down. You're trying to start life. You want to make the best for your kids, but you got to slow down and you got to reprioritize. You got to keep God first in the home. 
This is simple, but it's hard. There's so much going on. You want to give your kids the best. You want to do... You want to do the best for your family. And we can use family even as an excuse. Jesus said, if you love father or mother, mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. God, then family. Look what he says to this church. You can be busy in all the right places. And it can still be a detriment. Look at this. He said, you have patience. And for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You were patient. You labored in my, my name and you never got tired. You were doing all the right things. But you left your first love. The word in the Greek is abandoned. You can be so busy even doing the right thing that you can abandon the first love. Jesus is saying, it's me. You abandoned me. It's good to be busy. But Martha, Mary's doing the more needful thing. I know you're serving me. I know. But look, Mary, you got to be at my feet. There's going to be a day I'm going to say go. But right now, the most important thing. See, this is where we can lose it. We can say, yeah, we got to go out. We got to reach the world. We got to do all this stuff. But that should be an overflow of our walk with God. An, oh, it shouldn't even be hard. It should just be a manifestation of a son or a daughter, a child of God. The world's already attracted to you. If you're sitting at his feet and you're not worried about what they're worried about, well, don't talk about these things that they're talking about. The dribble of the world, all the foolishness. Words matter. Jesus said, every idle word you're going to give an account for. You say, whoa, think about it. Every idle word, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Every idle world, Paul put the mind of Christ again. He says this, he says, foolishness, foolish talking specifically, and jesting. He groups it in with fornication. He says, foolish talking and jesting. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. That's hard preaching. I wish Paul would just show up. Words matter. In the Greek, it's abandoned. You abandoned me. That fire that was within you in the beginning, it waxed cold. Your passion has died down. The longer you live for God, the more time on the books that we can drift, the more time that we can, we can get cold. Verse number five, Revelation two. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. What we got to realize is that what God wants most out of the individual is our time. We give 10%. We tithe 10% because we're Christians. Some give more than that. Some give temple. Some give on top of that. Think about the tithe and relate it to time. Because that's more important to God than your money. 
tithing's good for you. God doesn't need your money. But you give to what you believe in. If you're in church and you believe in this and you're not tithing, you need to think about that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you giving your money to? But tithing, 10%. 10% of your time, 24 hours in a day. It's like two hours and 26 minutes of time with God. That's just 10%. He said, I want your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole. You sleep eight hours. Let's take away eight hours. Let's do 16 hours. 16 hours, you're alive. You're awake each day. 10% of that. One and a half. 136. An hour and 36 minutes. Can you give him that every day? Because I'm afraid if we don't do at least that, Jesus told his apostles, can you not watch just one hour? Can you pray just one hour that you enter not into temptation? That's, that cycle of struggling will continue until you get the discipline of spending time with God. I could, I could probably, maybe not, I don't know if I'm capable of it. But I could probably get everyone to clap their hands and run. But I'm not allowed to do that. Fivefold ministry in Ephesians for the perfecting of the saints. I believe God wants to take this church to a place it's never been before. But the burden of prayer is required. Because that's part of being under authority. You look at the centurion. The centurion came to Jesus. And he was seeking out help for his servant. He was seeking the wellness of someone else. Because he knew that Jesus is greater than my problem. And he came to him and he didn't say, Jesus, look, I'm like you. I'm a man of authority. No, he said, I'm a man under authority. Because when you're under authority, you realize my strength of my authority comes because I'm submitted to someone greater than myself. The centurion says, look, I can say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Because if he doesn't submit to me, there's one greater than me. There's a king above me and armies above me. And I know that all you have to do is just say the word and my servant will get better. Look at what he said in that. I'm a man under authority. He said, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to this man, do, and he does. And to my servant, Centurion says, I, I say this to my servant. If you haven't heard from God in a while, you got to get under authority. He's not going to speak just because. He's not going to interrupt your life just because. I say to my servant, go, and he goes. But being under authority isn't just coming to church. It's being right 
in your private time. Being under authority is doing what you know to do tomorrow and the next day. And the next day, it's submitting yourself under the hand of God. An hour and 36 minutes, can you do it? Anyone with an iPhone, it, it tracks screen time. It'll tell you exactly how much time. And phones are for calling. Most people don't even do that. But you pull it open and that screen time, oh. Well, how much time did you pray? This is just, I'm just being real. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to prop anyone up. Screen time. You're playing the harlot. An evil and an adulterous generation. Entertaining because you're not satisfied with your first love. Revelation's coming, folks. We're going to stand before him. How are we spending our time? Dad, father, you're the head of the house. If the family's not praying, stand up. It's your job. You say, well, when I get home, there's so much to do. We got to do this. I got to mow. I got to take. I got to. No, no, no. You tell everyone, stop. It's time to pray. We're going to pray. My wife's got Instagram. She makes a post probably every day. But if you knew how much she prayed. She weeps for her children. She weeps for her husband. If you knew the pressure that we were dealing with. But she's not propping herself up with Instagram, with likes and all that garbage. She's trying to stay connected. But she's praying and she's weeping. Because she knows i got to stay under authority. Or I'm going to get eaten alive. Look at the sons of Sceva. They knew the name. And they went out and they tried to operate with authority against devils. And they got eaten alive. Because they weren't under authority. What Brother, Brother Haddon preached last week about the serpent, that should resonate. You have authority or that thing will get in your home. You can't let up. There's more things in this world to entertain us than there has ever been. And it's all going to burn. Hard for the younger generation. I used to want to go skydiving, and then <laughs> I realized I don't want to die. And I have no fear, but I don't want to die entertaining myself. Can you imagine going before God? I am so. So, why would someone with the Holy Ghost, why would someone with the greater than, right? You know the scripture, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
That's true. But why would someone with the greater than struggle with the less than? Why would someone with the greater than on the inside feel like they're drowning in the less than? Everyone knows basic math. There's a symbol, the greater than symbol. I don't know if it's this way or this way for you guys. It doesn't really matter. The, the thing on the open side is always greater than the thing on the pointed side. 20 will always be greater than 10. And in spiritual matters, God is always greater than anything else. If you're here and there's something on your mind, heavy on your heart, you should be excited. Because whatever it is, it is less than God. God is greater than fear. God is greater than anxiety. God is greater than your past. If your past is eating you up, you got to look at your past and say, look, my God is greater than you. God is greater than loneliness. People, your life is a gift. But it can feel at times like it's not a gift. Especially for those of you whose life has been seriously affected by others that have negatively impacted your world. Your Christmases aren't as complete as other families' Christmases. But you know the truth. Not everyone knows the truth. What you know, what's up here, what's in here is greater than the circumstance you're in. Weeping may endure for the night. But there's coming a morning when you're going to have fullness of joy. No more tears. No more weeping. Why? Because God is greater. It's a perception. It's an understanding. If you're elevating the problem above God, you need to change your perspective. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't even think like this. But if you get the Holy Ghost, your perspective will change. There is a peace that is greater than fear. A love that is greater than hurt. That's why Paul told Timothy, look, Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. Why? Because God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Paul knew Timothy was struggling in whatever he was dealing with. And fear was winning. And Paul said, look, boy, you got the greater than on the inside of you. You got to stir up the gift that is within you. There's a greater than fear. There's something to do on your part. See, and if we, if we, if we don't get it for ourselves, we'll get comfortable just coming to church. Just coming to church and preacher, preach to me. Everyone in here. I could say, is there a man that can preach you to victory? And you'd say, yeah. I love when he comes to town. But you got the greater than in here. You got to be strong enough that if the doors of the church close, you can have church by yourself every day of your life.
Why? Because you got the greater than. Jesse James, famous bank robber, Frank James's brother, they went to, to rob a bank one time. This is a true story. And they went in, guns blazed, and there was a man that was guarding the vault. He was the only one that had the code to the vault. Haywood was his name. And they said, Haywood, open the vault. He said, I can't do that. So they beat him, and the townsfolk realized, hey, the bank's getting robbed, so they started grabbing their guns. Jesse and Frank got nervous. Haywood, open the vault. We need you to open the vault. We want what's on the inside of that thing. Haywood's like, I'm not going to do that for you. Frank James shot him in the head, and they left. They left without getting what they came for because they wanted a man to open it up for them. Come to find out the vault was unlocked the whole time. They never tried the door. Everything in God is accessible to you. Comes by prayer. You can wait for a man to preach. You can wait for a man to open the door. You can wait for a man to pray for you and tell you that someday you're going to be great. Someday you're going to be used. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. But if there's so much noise of entertainment, you forget what the knock sounds like. I just don't feel saved. I feel so far from God. I feel so, so lost. My, I just don't, I can't. When your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. I told my wife this morning, I woke up, I said, man, I just, I don't feel God at all. And I'm going to go preach about how God's greater than. And it's when you don't feel God, you got to remind yourself what you know is true. God is greater. In all thy getting, get understanding. Because understanding trumps feeling. Feeling will get you to go to entertainment. Feeling will get you to open up your phone when you should be reading the word. Feeling will rise you from a place of prayer when you should be praying. If you struggle with, if with your feelings driving you, you need to fast. You need to crucify your flesh. Anybody sleeping out there? God is good. Say amen. My wife says I need to smile more. People, you're going to think that, man, you're just so serious. I'm not serious enough. The weight of eternity isn't heavy enough. When's the last time you heard from God? 
not because you asked me to. knock and the door is going to be open there's no timeline he just said knock and it shall be opened unto you seek and you shall find ask and it shall be given the centurion he was going he was going to Jesus because he understood authority he understood a greater was here but he was going on behalf of his servant he was going on behalf of someone less than him If you got a backslidden child, spiritually speaking, they're, they're sick. They're not coming to God right now. They're not getting up and seeking Jesus. But if you'll get the mind of the centurion and realize, if you get desperate and realize, you know, you already know God can move on them at any time. You know he can move on them and break them and draw them. But it took a desperation the centurion had better things to do. It was his servant. Let him die. I'll get another one. No. The centurion said, look, because I'm under authority, I value everything under me because it's not mine. I'm a servant of the king, and everything in my power is his, and I'm going to care for this, and I'm going to cherish this. I believe if we get desperate about people in our family and we petition God for them, we don't even need them to come to the house. You don't need the preacher to come pray for them. You just get a hold of Jesus with enough faith and an understanding that he is greater than that. And in that same hour, that servant, that family member can call and say, Mom, I need to come home. I need to come back. I'm sorry. I'm coming to myself. I need the king in my life. I need Jesus to fix me. Brother Jordan, come up. I, uh, if you have a hard time with something, what you need to do is get to a place of prayer, here or other. You need to pray until you're praying in tongues. And then you need to pray in tongues until you have a revelation that God is greater. You need to pray until it's so overwhelming that you stand up and you feel powerful. And you feel like he is with me. Greater. Greater than Greater than sorrow, greater than pain, greater than loneliness. You gotta stir it up. You gotta activate it. I know the story of the prodigal son. I like to call him the younger son. 
And when the younger son went to his father, see, we know the end of the story, so we view it through a, through a negative light. But when the younger son went to his father, his father, it's a parable. He just asked for his portion. Didn't say that he was being sneaky. He was going to just grab something and go, jump out the window and bounce to Vegas. No, he just went to his dad and said, Dad, can I have what's, what's mine? I believe if in that parable he had gone out and invested it and came back, we'd have a parable more like the servants and the talents. The younger son had the name. He was one of us. And he gets the portion. God, I need the blessing. God, I want... I want power. God, I want revelation. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go to God and say, look, God, I need revelation. And then take that bag of revelation and walk out of the kingdom. The younger son. You say, well, I, I'm not in the pig pen. No, but you're only in the kingdom twice a week. I think the tragedy of the younger son isn't that he went so far away. The tragedy is that he wanted the gift and forsake, forsook the giver. He said, I want the portion. I want the blessing. I want the favor. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want the wife. I want the kids. I want a position. But he forsook his first he forsook the relationship. And when you go in and out of the kingdom, when you're kind of on the fence, when you're blessed and favored, but you're losing the relationship, the relationship suffering, you're naturally going to go towards the world. Because it's fun. It's entertaining. Jesus spoke to the church. You're doing exploits for my name. But you don't have the same passion you used to have. You're trying to do it right, but you, you're losing the fire. You're not spending as much time with me as you used to spend with me. You used to love me. You give your time to the thing that you love. When you were new, you couldn't wait to get off work and get in the Word and pray couldn't wait to get to church. Things started catching your eye. And it's okay. Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Under the authority of one greater. doesn't stir you, if that song Amaze doesn't stir you, if you don't realize how blessed of a people we are, you should want to live in the kingdom. You should want to exist with the blessing and the revelation that's in the kingdom. Spending time with the Father. 
kingdom currency doesn't work in the world. to thank God for everything he's done for you, everything he's ever done, just for calling you. If you're visiting and you feel the presence of God and you want a part of that, it was the, it was, it was the queen of the south and it was the men of Nineveh that are going to rise up and judge the evil generation. Why? Because she was seeking the wisdom of Solomon. And they repented at the word of Jonah. But the wisdom of Solomon, he got from someone greater. And the word of Jonah, he got from someone greater. There's a greater than Jonah in the house today. There's a greater than Solomon. The right response to the Spirit of God is seeking and repenting like the queen of the south and the men of Nineveh. Why don't we close this service by seeking the greater than. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, do inventory on the things you busy yourself with. Is it adding to your walk with God or is it taking away from your walk with God?
Keep praying. 
Keep praying. 